From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Serious allegations of branch stacking and factional warfare have engulfed both major parties in recent months. The latest example within the Liberal Party even implicates senior federal ministers. Today, national correspondent for the Saturday paper, Mike Seckham, on why branch stacking has become more common and how it's influencing key policies. Mike, earlier this year, the Nine Network aired accusations of of branch stacking in the Victorian Labor Party, complete with secret recordings. Last week, they published allegations of branch stacking, this time in the Victorian Liberal Party. So let's talk about those allegations. What were they? Well, uh, according to the documents and recordings that were um, passed to the Nine Expose, there were factional operatives working on behalf of a very religious group of people within the party who had allegedly given taxpayer-funded jobs to staffers where they worked on stacking Conservative members into the party, heavily skewed, I might say, from the Indian community and people of Mormon faith. Why are so many Mormons signing up? It's easy for uh, people that are engaged in branch stacking to target specific groups because they're all in one location. I mean, the main requirement... And, of course, it's against the law for electoral staff to do that kind of stuff. When I first met Marcus, um, it was clear to me that he had the gift of the gab. Um, But really it's about his ability to coordinate uh, large groups of people. Allegedly... They were operating on behalf of a a youthful, hard-right power broker called Marcus Bastian and the Federal Assistant Treasurer and Minister for Housing, Michael Zucker. Is Marcus Bastian a branch taker? I I would say yes, but that's only through rumours. And the ultimate goal, apparently, was to remove as many as four state and six federal Liberal parliamentarians and replace them with people loyal to the Bastian-Zucker faction. Mm-hmm. And so what has the fallout been, Mike, since all of this became public when the story ran? Liberal power broker Marcus Bastian resigned yesterday from the party. Mr Suker says he has no knowledge... Well, Bastian's quit the party, so that's that's the big one. Those activities are just not acceptable in the Liberal Party and the Liberal Party has taken action. And uh, Mr Bastian is, uh, has gone and uh, that's the right outcome. The Victorian branch is undertaking a, an audit of its membership Sukar has issued furious denials, saying that he never authorised taxpayer-funded staff to undertake party political activity. And Kevin Andrews has denied knowledge of any such activities in his office. Well, both Mr Andrews and Mr Sukar put out statements uh, and they've completely rejected the allegations and they've referred those matters to the department. He's referred the allegations about his staff to the Department of Finance for review and, uh, and has affected kind of the wounded dignity of of the Parliament's longest-serving MP. To quote him, the suggestion that I would be coerced into making decisions on staffing arrangements in my electorate office by others is untrue, he said. As father of the House, my integrity and my reputation mean everything. But, of course, this isn't the first time that Andrews has been accused of this kind of behaviour. So this has happened before. Can you tell me about that? Um... Yeah, it was more than four years ago. Back on May 8, 2016, uh, a story ran that had notable similarities to to this one. Right-wing zealots, dirty tricks, 
except it wasn't in the Nine Media this time. This, this one ran in The Australian. They reported that an electorate staffer in Andrew's office had engaged in alleged ethnic branch stacking. It, it wasn't the Mormons uh, and Indians this time, it was the Macedonian community. And then this staffer took the rap and quit after the scheme was discovered. So anyway, it, it, it appeared, but then disappeared very quickly. And the Governor-General has accepted my advice to dissolve both Houses of Parliament, uh, effective tomorrow morning. It was very fortuitous for Andrews and, and the party that the same day the story ran was the day that Malcolm Turnbull, then Prime Minister, went off to Government House and called the election. And call a, an election for both Houses, a double dissolution, on the 2nd of July. At this election... So suddenly all the factional manoeuvrings and infighting were, were papered over and put on hold because there was an election in course, progress. Maintain the commitment to our national economic plan for growth and jobs or go back to Labor with its higher taxing... But despite this appearance of unity, it appears that the stacking never stopped. It just continued. And four years on, we have the finger of blame again being pointed at Andrew's staff, among others. Mm, so there's a, a pattern of sorts of this within the Liberal Party. And there have been numerous stories over decades about this happening in Labor. So why exactly has branch stacking become a common feature in politics? Well, numbers mean everything in political life. And they're the reason that branch stacking is a problem on all sides of politics. And the reason it's becoming a bigger problem is that party memberships are shrinking, which makes it easier for relatively small groups to um, to assert control or to, to have greater influence. I spoke to Anthony Wheelie, QC, who's a, um, a former Justice of the Supreme Court of New South Wales Court of Appeal, and he's the chair of a body called the Centre for Public Integrity. And, and Wheelie said, well, why do you stack? Uh, you do it because you want to get a certain outcome. It might be pre-selection uh, or it might be a particular policy that you want to get the numbers on. And, so... and the only way you can get those numbers is by fabricating the numbers. You know, so you, you stack people in in order to get your way. And it can be motivated by other things too. The, the quest for power for its own sake. So I think in Sombrat's case, given that what we know about his personality, was just a, a power play by a man obsessed with power and the enjoyment of it. Yeah. it... Or, of course, you can do it to, um, to seek retribution against your internal enemies. You know, but in any case, whatever the motivation, Wheelie says, it distorts what should be the objective of any political party, which is to represent its supporters. The result of getting the numbers on that issue is, is to ruin the political system because, um, it, while it's not illegal, it distorts the outcome. So it distorts... What the troubling thing here is, of course, that stacking is not of itself illegal. You know, it breaches party rules... Um, in most cases. But unless you engage in actual fraud or, as alleged in the, the expose of the Victorian Liberal operation, unless you're doing it at the taxpayer's expense, you can go for your life. There's, no, there's nothing illegal about it. And so, Mike, what was the goal for the people involved uh, in the alleged branch stacking in this instance? Was it about winning pre-selections or, or changing policy? What was their goal? Well, essentially all of the things that I mentioned above. They were trying to knock off sitting Liberal MPs from opposing factions. They were particularly motivated by the fact that those MPs were too socially progressive. 
So it was about trying to shift the party and, and by extension, the government of Victoria and also to some extent the federal government to the right and to impose their idea of Christian values when it came to social policy. We'll be back in a moment. As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Mike, we're talking about this latest factional war within the Victorian Liberal Party. What's the motivation behind it? Right. Well, the the key aim of the Bastian Sukkah group was to impose their version of of morality. They were and are anti-abortion, anti-same-sex marriage, the standard Catholic right, I guess you would say, religiously influenced agenda. And the reason that Bastian and Sukkah went after this certain grouping of MPs, the evidence suggests, was to exact revenge... My view is there's four people in the other house on our side who broke faith. Simon Ramsey, Bruce Atkins and Mary Waldridge and Ed O'Donoghue. Now we can get, I think we can get rid of Simon Ramsey. Because they voted for the state's voluntary assisted dying bill, you know, which is to say euthanasia. Well, in a historic move, Victoria today becomes the only state in Australia to legalise voluntary assisted dying. The laws which... The thing there is, we know that Australians overwhelmingly favour euthanasia, carefully implemented, you know, with, with the right safeguards. And they've, they have done for a very long time, for decades. Numerous opinion polls, I went back and had a look at a, a bunch of them, over many years suggest but somewhere between 75 and 90% support in most, most polls. And interestingly enough, the support was strongest in Victoria. So um, clearly these people were active in support of, of what's very much a minority position in the community generally and, and within their own party, you know, which, of course, is their right. But it's quite another matter to plot retribution against those who hold the opposing view and to use illegitimate means to do it. Mm, so you're saying that this latest example was a sort of rearguard action to maintain a, a conservative social policy against the wishes of the majority of the public? Yeah, that's right. And I might say this this is not limited to the Liberal Party. I mean, it's it's a long-standing feature of the Labor Party as well. So if you look at the Labor rank and file, they're considerably further to the left than is the Parliamentary Party. And a number of people that I spoke to point to a major factor in the sort of manipulation of the numbers within the Labor Party, and that is right-wing unions, and, and one in particular, which is the shop Distributive and Allied Employees Association, which is more commonly called the SDA or the Shoppies, which is Australia's largest private sector union. And there's a very long history there and and distilled down, I I credit this distillation to Josh Cullen and I might add, who heads a rival union, the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, but, but he's not wrong. The central purpose 
of the SDA, of the shoppies, over the past 50 years has been to enrol workers into their organisation, not so much for the in the interests of the workers, but so that the, the shoppies could get more numbers and therefore have greater influence within the policy formulation of the Labor Party at both the state and national level. Mike, it sounds like it tends to be right-wing factions in both parties who, who operate in this way. So does it work for them? Well, yeah, yeah, it does work. And the shoppies were long dominated and, and still are, although not to the same extent, by right-wing Catholics, um, whose social agenda is not that far removed from the likes of Bastian and Sukkar. And Cullinan can provide evidence of this. I mean, there was an SDA submission on abortion in 2012. There was one on same-sex marriage, earlier submissions on IVF and stem cell research. So although this doesn't quite fit the classic definition of branch stacking, it operates in a similar way, which is that you harness people by covert means to a political cause. Mm. And Mike, coming back to the Liberals, is there evidence that this strategy of, of trying to maintain socially conservative policy is working? Well, well, it's certainly the case that religious conservatives are a, a growing presence within the conservative parties, and not only in Victoria, you know, in Western Australia and elsewhere. And there's no better example, and, and no more expensive example either, of the influence of the religious right than the marriage equality postal vote. All Australians will have their say. They will get the opportunity to express their opinion on the issue of whether the law should be changed to enable same-sex couples to marry. Fulfilling the commitment... More than $80 million of taxpayers' money was spent holding a ballot, even though it was abundantly clear what the outcome would be. And the whole reason for it, the whole purpose of it, was to give cover to members of the religious right so that they could support changes to the marriage laws on the pretext that they were fulfilling the wishes of their electorate. But um, when it went to the vote, there were only four MPs who showed the courage to vote against the legislation. Lock the doors. As there are fewer than five members on the side for the noes in this division, I declare the question resolved in the affirmative in accordance with Standing Order 127. There were another 10 who absented themselves. They abstained. And among their number were... Tellingly, Kevin Andrews, Michael Sukkar, and Scott Morrison, now our Prime Minister. So um, I guess the point here is that the reactionary religious agenda manifests in all sorts of ways, but it goes to the issue of branch stacking in general. It's kind of anti-democratic because it shifts the political contest from the ballot box or the parliament back to the party level. You know, and that's why branch stacking matters. It's not just about the political gain of those involved, but it's about the policy impacts that affect us all, that work to keep those parties more conservative than the electorates that they're supposed to serve. And that's a real worry. Mike, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday paper. No hot takes.
Also in the news today, Australia is officially in its first recession for almost three decades, with the June quarter GDP numbers showing the economy shrank by 7%. That's the worst fall on record and three times worse than the previous biggest fall of 2% in 1974. And the Victorian Hotel Quarantine Inquiry heard from security firms yesterday who said that they believe carpooling among guards could help explain how COVID-19 was transmitted between staff. The heads of security firms also rejected suggestions that guards were poorly trained and badly behaved. And it's been confirmed the AFL Grand Final will be played outside of Melbourne for the first time in its 123-year history, with Brisbane set to host the 2020 decider. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.